0: Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. All right, you know here we are back again. It's been I don't know a month, month and a half. Too darn long. When I had to like remember how to set up the audio equipment, this is a problem. But I don't know. Conference season kind of took over, and then trying to grow a business. Took over my life, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's it been- is a rough.
1: It is a rough time out there. You know, tons of big tech companies laying people off. Some, you know, we don't know about. Some or why? Some of them we know way too much about, like Twitter, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you know, uh, they're they're also. Seems to be plenty of Elixir jobs out there for folks still.
0: Mm-hmm. So um that's good to see. Yeah. They're, I, I've noticed that there, I mean, there's some of the, some of the bigger Elixir companies. I won't name them right now. Cause I, uh, just because I know, I don't know how public it is, but a lot of them have put on hiring freezes mm-hmm. uh, and some of them, they still have some job openings posted, but it, but they are slowly pulling them off, I think to not scare people more than anything. Um, right. And those companies that I'm talking to, they're not they're like, we're just pulling them off till the beginning of the year because of like end of year budget. Some of them are are running low and some of them are like, we don't we don't know what's happening this next quarter. The economy is wild right now. So
1: Hiring in in Q four is always kind of weird too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say that as someone who started at his current job in the middle of December, kind of the the, the weirdest <laughs> time to start a new job. <laughs> um, but yeah, it it, uh, it you know so much doesn't happen mm-hmm. in the last six weeks of the year that um, it's not very likely that you're going to get a start date after the middle of November for anything anyway. People don't want to interview. You know, it's all like mm-hmm. holiday stuff.
0: I think that's that's what's been really hard in running running Binary Noggin recently, too, is that we had some contracts ending in the fall. And, you know, October, people actually start to, like, pull back because mm-hmm. they know that, that everything that, you know, the holidays are coming up. And then so November and December, we're kind of sitting. So I don't know if anybody out there needs a little extra help, you know, or if you're like trying to hire, we'd be happy to come in and and help you with that process too, and and keep you moving while you're waiting for for those next people, for the right people for your company. Um, well, I think that's the first time I've ever done like a sales pitch on here, but there it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah. So you can email me, amos uh, at binarynoggin.com. E- email Amos. A-M-O-S. For all your Elixir development needs. For all your Elixir development needs. That's right. Uh, wow. This is not supposed to be a podcast about advertising <laughs> for Binary Noggin, but I'll take it. You know, it's it's just... Unofficially sponsored. <laughs> it's just been on... My, it, it is, I guess... I don't know. Un, yeah, unofficially sponsored. We We do pay for all the recording, all the editing. So... It's a far cry better than it was when we started. So we try to give back to the, to the community in lots of different ways through open source, open source financial contributions, people contributions and podcasts. Like I, this is an awesome community and we just want to see it grow. So I try to speak, try not to talk about it on the podcast, but (laughs) right now it's at the front of my mind. Sorry, everybody. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, well, and, it, and it's hard too. like, um, I'm, 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 I know a lot of folks are, you know, eyeing whether their, their position is going to stick around, whether they're going to get let go, their company mm-hmm. downsized. Uh, I feel pretty lucky that I'm at a, um, you know, a company that's pretty early and we're riding on investment, um, funds. So, so like we, we aren't, we aren't really hiring, um, but we're not letting people go because we're not making money. Um, so it's it's a pretty privileged place to be in, but a lot of folks aren't in that position right now. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's kind of scary that said it has been a bubble. It's been a bubble for so long, uh, probably like at least three years, I would say. Yeah. Um, in tech in
0: 2019, 2020, uh, we had, you know, skyrocketed in, in salaries and demand. And then unfortunately, like as, as a business owner of any company, right you may see that there's a bubble but you also don't know how long it's going to last mm-hmm. so you can't sit and wait for the bubble to pop to start hiring people you just have to do it and hope that it lasts long enough that you can get enough runway and and keep going whenever it does pop yep. so i don't know it's um it's an exciting Time. Like, I think it's good. I think it's good for companies that this bubble is popping. I think it's good for developers. Um, You know, I, yes, yes, we have lower salaries, and, and some people say, well, Amos is a business owner. Of course, he says it's good for developers. No, actually, I have to charge less too. So, (laughs) so (laughs) it affects all of us in, in lots of different ways. But, um, yeah, I, I think that. What I see whenever salaries kind of level out, is what I'm going to say, is that then people get, start to choose jobs and get more comfortable in jobs that they really, really want to work at instead of, oh, crap, this other place offered me another 70000 Oh, wait, mm-hmm. this other place offered me another 70000 And I, I know people that over the course of the last two years made like $150,000 in raises. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah.
1: Because it was so
0: competitive. Yeah. 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 And they, they went from company to company to company and they appreciate all the money, but not all of them are happy. Mm-hmm. They just, but they, they, it's like a little bit of a golden handcuff. So I don't know. I don't know. I think there's good and there's bad. Um, I wish we could all make tons of money and not have to worry about it. But I, I also think that competitive push will also cause companies to hopefully work together better too.
1: Yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, It's definitely a time for for folks to look for something that really engages and excites them Mm -hmm. or to branch out into an area that they haven't worked on before. And, you know, honestly, like if you are looking to hire, now is a wonderful time because Mm -hmm. there's a ton of really skilled people on the market. Um, And, uh, you know, you... (laughs) you may have to compete for their attention uh, <laughs> but uh but you know there there are you know there are some some uh layoffs that uh have like cut a bunch of really talented people at at large tech companies so
0: also um, if you're just starting out this is a great time because when when that like super competitive i need all of the best developers ever stuff goes away. Like companies start to actually look at like what's realistic Mm -hmm. when they start to invest more in, in the people, right? Right. Like more in training and growing and, and building really um, collaborative and tight knit teams that level everybody up. And, and they start to actually hire people who are fresh out of school, which I saw in the Mm -hmm. last year, I saw a lot of developers, um, coming out of programs, coming out of college, very talented developers that were not able to get a job because everybody would say, "Well, we like you, we just want you to have five years experience."
1: Yeah, which was was what it was like uh, after the you know the 2000 tech bust around the time I graduated from university. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, there were a few places that were kind of willing to take a chance on on a new grad, but um, most of the job op- opportunities where we want you'd have five years of experience. I'm like, well, how am I going to get that? I guess I'll go to grad school instead. <laughs> Which is, it, is what I did. That's what you did?
0: What'd you yeah. go to grad school for? Uh, music. music. So you did you did CS and then music. Yeah. Nice. I I mean, I knew that you did the choir director, choir something. Yeah. I was doing that while I was in
1: grad school. Okay. So, um, cool. That was, uh, that was my part-time job. So you just deferred
0: school. those student loans a little longer. Is that what that was? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did.
1: But, um, you know, you see mentioned like things getting getting busy, conf- conference season took over. Uh you were recently at Codebeam.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it was it was fun. Like I really enjoyed Codebeam. I I've never been to an in-person Codebeam, um which uh, blew my mind because I started going to Codebeam like during COVID. Mhm. Mainly like it was always so close to ElixirConf and I had to pick one or the other. Yeah. And I kind of knew what I was getting out of ElixirConf and wasn't sure with Codebeam. And San Francisco, you know, getting there, staying there was always like, it was way more expensive to go to that than it was to mm-hmm. go to to ElixirConf. So I usually went to ElixirConf instead. But no, yeah, I, I have been on the programming committee the last two years. It is fantastic. We have so many, so many really good submissions that it gets really hard to pick. And, but (laughs) we, I think we picked some really good ones and we also, I ended up being on a, on a panel for IOT on, on the beam and like, why the beam? Oh, fun. And that was not because I was on the programming committee, (laughs) (laughs) which maybe if you're on the programming committee, it's a good way to speak. I don't know. Not, not often. I, I feel like I can't even put my name in there if I'm on the programming committee to speak, but. Yeah, Randall Thomas, we asked him to do a keynote and he said, "You know, really like I want to talk about embedded systems in the beam and like what does that bring to you?" And he asked me if I would be on the panel. And so it was Frank Hunleth, Boyd Moulter, uh Andy King and myself. Andy King, no relation as far as we know. And <laughs> and we you know, we just talked about like why why is the beam interesting and really when it comes to to embedded systems, I think that it really comes down to two things. Super, this is super simple as far as I'm concerned. Fault tolerance, because you don't have, you don't have an entire system restarting. You have a subsystem restarting, mm-hmm. which saves a lot of time, especially on something that has low, low CPU, you know, might take a long time to boot if it has to completely yeah, reboot. Power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Low power. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the other is that, I feel like it's more of that dream of like, can I use one language everywhere? So I ha- I can use it on the server, I can use it on the device, and then you know if you if you have if if you have ever done web development and you've had a denial of service, anything not on purpose, but like you just have a huge spike in traffic, and you think that's a lot to deal with. Wait until it's an automated device that's sending you traffic, because <laughs> that is a huge spike in traffic. Like so you've it's the got
1: DDoS yourself, yeah, and that's situation. You're yeah.
0: constantly doing that if you have enough devices out there. Like, like, hey, uh, web developers with users, you have nothing on on web developers with devices that are hitting you. Mm-hmm. But the beam is made for that it's made to handle that. There are so many things that we are given to handle those kind of situations um, or make them uh, simpler for us to handle that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know why we do anything else except for if you have to have such low power that you can't run Linux. Cause that's kind of the pre right. that's like the precursor need, right? With nerves um, chaos. Crichton's operating system is mm-hmm. um, SEL four. So it's Linux, right? Um, and there, there, were, there were a lot of Elixir talks, um, a lot of Erling talks, uh, so a bunch of nerves. There's quite a few bit of mm-hmm. nerves things. There was an animatronic uh, puppets talk. It was awesome. Oh, that must have been fun. Um, <laughs> I missed it because I had to announce stuff in another room. But uh, Flora, I believe, was her name. And I'm, I'm looking forward to everybody just talked about it a whole lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's just so many. So many great talks, and the opening keynote was um maxime mm-hmm. and Andrea about you know Andrea from the core team of elixir um and Maxime from all kinds of erlang fame <laughs> yep. uh, and and it was about like us being better together, which I, you know is so true, like all of these languages I don't know, I'm super excited, sorry, I'm rambling and just letting you say <laughs> no, yes over and over.
1: That's great, uh you know, and I um this really hasn't been a year for me to attend conferences even virtually, so like I love uh living a little bit vicariously through your experience
0: there well, I'll take it <laughs> yeah I, I mean I obviously, I wish you could have been there uh it is it is pretty pretty nice to be back and and seeing some people again and starting to get back mm-hmm. out, but I understand also not wanting to do that, right like and I'm back and forth like, Oh, am I, am I ready for the, Yeah. I'm, okay. I'll go. Mm-hmm. Let's just see if I get sick. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it, it's sad that we're in that position, but you know, things are, are trending more toward that. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, especially with uh, officials going down the route of, well, I'm going to, or we're, we're going to reduce restrictions or recommendations, even um, on ha- on how to uh, protect yourself in public, and you know, cut funding from from the sorts of like uh, emergency situations that we were in before. So, so yeah, I mean, and that that risk calculation is different for everyone. I'm like especially risk averse, although honestly, I'm pretty healthy and I shouldn't be worried, but. Um, I'm like multiple uh vaccination boosters and and everything. because um, I'm kind of paranoid on that front. But on the other hand, I'm still
0: wearing masks I had on, COVID. every time I go out. I had COVID. Yeah. It's okay to be paranoid. That was terrible. I just wanted to sleep for two months and mm-hmm. coughed all the time. So at least I didn't end up in a hospital, right? Like so there's yeah. there's the bright side too. Yeah, I am. I am quite grateful for that, but I can't imagine if I got it bad enough to be in a hospital. Like it was bad to have it in yeah. general. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Fantastic conference. Go watch Flora's talk. What? Watch, watch the panel on, on embedded systems and IOT. That's, that's probably the most important thing you can do. Yep. <laughs> Shameless self plug. Um, yeah. And, and like, I don't know all the talks. And I think that, I, for a while there, I believe that there was a little bit of, sometimes it felt like there was animosity in the communities between like Erlang and Elixir and Erlang and, mm-hmm. and other things. And, um, I believe it's gotten better, mm-hmm. way better. Uh, like I don't feel it anymore. And as, as a person who's done both, I never really understood why there was such an animosity, but, um, that, that talk with Andrea and Maxime is really good. And Maxime has like a fantastic metaphor. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's got, he's got a great metaphor for all of us working together.
1: Well, I think there's been a lot of explicit effort to, mm-hmm. to show that we are actually more similar than different uh, in the, those communities. And like, like you, you know, I started with Erlang. Um, and uh, picked up Elixir later. Uh, I think the impression, though, and some of it was the initial hype of Elixir, um, the appeal for people who were coming from single threaded dynamic languages uh, to something that actually had concurrency that made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, and you know, the, the popularity of Phoenix, especially, made I think a, a lot of folks who had done Erlang for a very long time feel bitter or or ignored when there were a lot of great ideas that already existed in Erlang. Um, some of them were outdated. Uh, <laughs> you know, my own included. Uh, uh, but they, you know, I think that there's there's a recognition now that even after that initial hype, it's still a relatively small community as, as compared to you know a, a niche platform, a niche language and set of languages. You know, the, it's nothing compared to, like, I, I shouldn't pick, point at the biggest gorilla, but uh, mm-hmm. to the the JavaScript ecosystem, oh, um, yeah. like, you know, orders a magnitude larger than anything Beam. Um, you know, and you could name off any of the top ten most popular programming languages, and they're still bigger. So, so I think it, it's, uh, but there was definitely a concerted effort on the part of. Francesco and and um the um the foundation Yes, and uh, i mean which wasn't that long ago that that was started but that was a uh, i think an effort to say we need to we we appreciate these things about this way of working and um we want to cultivate the ecosystem and um and ensure that we can continue to work with it in the future and and that means being inclusive Um, Mm -hmm. and heck, we've got, you know, other languages coming up on the beam still. So, uh, there's, there's plenty of, of space. Um, and, and it's, it's good that there's, there's a reduced animosity.
0: Yeah. And there, and a lot of, I think a lot of it too, is there, there was some give back too, Mm -hmm. you know, like there were things that were, From the Elixir community, they were getting put into Erlang to make everybody's life better. Right. And I think that that helped also cultivate that working relationship of, oh, they're not just trying to stomp on the stuff we're doing. And so that, I think, made good strides. Um, Yeah. And I don't know. I'm still torn sometimes whether I... Dig out an Erlang library and use it, or whether I use an elixir library, um, or now, like, do I use a Gleam library, right? Like you said there's mm-hmm. other languages, and i'm I'm actually I'm interested. I've uh cursory looked at at Gleam because um, mm-hmm. that that strong typing, like everything being super defined, um, I don't know if that strong is the right word for that. There's so many different types strict typing. Strict types? I don't know. You tell me, Sean. Static, Sta- typing. static typing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As it long decided as decided at
1: compile time. As long as like, it's I, not I Java static typing. We're yeah, good. yeah. The, the the strong weak uh, dimension is is suspect. Yeah. <laughs> as a, as a measure, because uh, if you accept it as as a as a frame, I would say that Erlang has strong typing. Mm-hmm. It's dynamic, but it's strong in the sense that you can't have one type impersonate another type or Mm -hmm. now you, you can, I think the difference, the static dynamic difference is that you may get a value that is not of the type you expect. Right. That's, that's the difference, not the, can it pretend to be something else or can you tell the difference? Okay. Um, And, and I, there's, you know, I would I would say ignoring TypeScript, if you look at JavaScript, JavaScript has a, a a weak type system in the sense that you may you have to assume that you may get things that aren't numbers, for instance. Right. And or you can take a value and extend its behavior at runtime in a in a way that that doesn't
0: have any guardrails on it. So JavaScript's so loose. Like, how many how many arguments does that function take? Eh, as many as you want. As many as you want. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a different problem.
1: But like, there are variable length arguments in lots of languages. Uh, but but yeah, there there's. Um, I think it has to do with how much things are open and the kinds of guarantees you can make about a particular thing. And that that's where that's where Erlang and Elixir's type system is actually strong because it's closed. Like, even, even if, you think about, if you think about what looks like your own types, like DefStruct mm-hmm. Elixir, it's not actually your own type. It's a, it's a syntax sugar for creating a map. A map has a really well-defined type. And, and so you, you can't pretend that that map is anything other than a map. You can't pretend it's a list. You can convert it to a list, but you can't pretend it's a list. And, and so, you know, the types can be composed with one another in, in like, the data sense which is what makes it dynamic uh, rather
0: than static. One place where it feels a little loose to me is, you know, you can have, you can have a list that's not all the same type inside the list. Right. It's powerful, that is, but it is a little bit like, well, what's, what's the type of this? Well, the, the type is a list. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, you,
1: and you, you, do have, you do have, I don't know if it's a, you call it a, a bottom type, I forget the the correct terminology. I think it's the bottom type, but yeah, you have a type which is all of the v- possible values mm-hmm. in the in the language. Um so yeah, a list is not a list of a specific type. It's a list of any kind of value. Mm-hmm. Uh let's not get t- talking about improper lists.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh those get weird. I think the only time I've ever had an improper list was on accident anyway. So I, yeah, I, I have been told there's reasons to use them,
1: but they're they're historic reasons. I've never uh, needed it that no longer apply. Oh, yeah. okay,
0: that's maybe why I never needed uh, it. Anyway,
1: yeah, there, there's <laughs> there were things like uh, before maps landed in OTP17, um, there were there were things like the you may still see it in some libraries the the dict module mm-hmm. for making extensible dictionaries. Um, it would use improper lists in some of its hash buckets um to save a word or two um on allocations and I you know that's one of those micro optimizations that we would no longer make <laughs> right
0: unless you do an embedded and then you might want it <laughs> and may maybe you would choose something else, but that's, yeah yeah anyway i'm I'm yeah, so types gleam, uh wow, that was. Roundabout. I don't even a tangent. I don't even know where we were <laughs> but that's all right um, learning though you you sent me a video today yeah uh, now I'm gonna blank out on the guy's name did you get to watch it I did watch it yeah so it's it's a uh, uh, for, for our listeners
1: it's Brian Cantrell he was uh, he is the CTO of a company called oxide computer uh, they build rack scale. Uh, hardware and the software to go with it. When I say software, I mean firmware and, and the management software for, for um, high scale, um, you know, co-located or self, you know, hosted type uh, hardware. He's not spoke, cloud.
0: He spoke at Monktoberfest. I just wanted to say that. Monktoberfest. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a fun. So Red, Red Monk is a, a consulting, um, uh, agency. Um, I believe they mostly do like um, marketing and strategy for tech companies, um, but they uh, they host this every year, and it's usually. In, I, I think it's all like invited talks. But uh, yeah, it, so his his the premise of the talk was that there was a tweet from a person really well known in the Silicon Valley VC and tech industry. Who suggested that we, um, or that he would love to see a program where you take the the brightest and most driven eighteen year olds, give them ten years' salary to do whatever, and then take a percentage of their future earnings, um, and see what comes out of that. And his, and uh, Brian's response was, this is child abuse. Yeah, It's pretty bad.
0: <laughs> I agreed with him by the end of it. I was like, yeah, yeah he's
1: not wrong. <laughs> I was going to say you, you, you have, uh, you have a uh, teenage and, and adult children. Uh, my uh, my, my point, oldest so. just
0: got married last weekend. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that, uh, and sh- she's over 18 and, and I think she's very bright. And I I don't know that, I don't know that it's. You don't teach a lot of a lot. There's there's not a lot of learning that I think happens whenever you're handed something like that. Like if I said, "Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take care of you for the next ten years. You just do whatever." I think you're actually going to produce less, in in my experience, with especially at a younger age. Maybe at older age, maybe. But yeah, I I was like, "Wait, what?" And he was saying this in lieu of of any education, college, and like, yeah, in in lieu of this is your education, like, but. Yeah. You have there there's no incentive to end up do well, at least I feel like there's not. For me, there would not have been. I would have been like, cool, ten years, I get to play around some more. Like <laughs> and yeah. do and I mean the one nice thing I think that could come out of is you wouldn't worry about failing. Right? You could you could fail, yeah. You could fail nine out of ten years.
1: Yeah. On um, on the other hand, it, it feels like well, so I mean there there were a lot there were a lot of points that Brian made that I completely agree with. Big one is at eighteen, I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I took some twists and turns. I know you did too. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just a thing you do as as a young person, as a young adult that you need the space to to be able to, you know, grow your maturity, grow grow, um, like a, figure out what what is valuable to you um what you care about uh what what interests you what you want your profession to be and there's it's the 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 original tweet that he was commenting on is is really kind of problematic in so many ways one of the big things he brought up is that we fetishize young people in the tech tech industry and some of that i believe comes from the idea that we have, uh, well, so first of all, the, the blatant obvious one from VCs is young people are cheap.
0: <laughs>
1: um, and they, they won't put it that way. They'll still frame it as, oh, these are the, the young kids who are going to shape the future. And they've got all the, the great new ideas and, and, um, and they, you know, are going to revolutionize the world.
0: And if we can lock them in on ten years salary on day right. one, we can get them real cheap.
1: <laughs> but but if you if you look I look at it as like, well, that's like getting an education because but but then the lien, the you know, the they they're putting a lien on your future salary. That's like getting a a student loan that never ends. And student mm-hmm. loans are bad enough as a concept. Some um, of them that, never that we, end. Yes, some of the for especially if you are in a in not in a position to fully, you know, make the 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 full payment if you need refinancing or if you you need deferment or forbearance. Um you could be paying those forever. Heck, I I had one. I'm in my 40s. I think it was only 3 or 5 years ago that I finished paying off one that I took as an undergrad when I was 21 or 22. Wow. And and that's ridiculous and the thing is it wasn't even the largest sum of loan that I had. It was just one that the payment on it was the same amount for as as long as it took. It was not a federally um, you know subsidized loan or anything. It was a private loan. but you know that, that that's predatory uh, the suggestion that they should take even a small percentage of your entire future earnings. -hmm. And and like you know, Brian made the point. What if you get in to this program and you decide, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore? Which is a totally reasonable thing. Are they still going to take a percentage of your future earnings? Like so, or do you have to pay them back? It's like indentured servitude, right? Like it's ridiculous. Um, And 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 beyond that, um, you know, there's so much learning and growing that that young adults need to do that if they are surrounded by their immediate peers not 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 people who are slightly older than them who have some experience that they can learn from he brian suggested it's it's going to be it's going to result in a, a lot of things that are driven by peer pressure uh social pressures um mm-hmm. you know e- even at, at 18 you he mentioned uh, the, the neuroscience says that you know your limbic system, the the, the things that that um, uh, you know the 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 emotional influences, the social influences on your brain are fully developed, but your prefrontal cortex is not. Yeah. Um, so you know. 18, 19, 20-year-olds make lots of dumb decisions. Heck, I did. <laughs> uh, I think
0: um, six, for, for men, I think they said 16 to like 22 mm-hmm. is the lowest risk perception that you will have right. in your entire life. And that's when we want you to enter into this 10-year <laughs> rest of your life right. contract. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, it it is, it is taking advantage of, of uh, vulnerable people. Um, and, um, and that's why he, you know, it was, it was intentionally hyperbolic, his response to that. This is child abuse, but it based on really good, um, mm-hmm. understanding of the problem. And yeah, you know, I, I look at, I don't know if you've, uh, read about or heard about the, um, the Theranos thing, that book bad blood is a really, really good overview of what happened at Theranos. Um, but, uh, you know, Elizabeth Holmes was, maybe 19 or 20 when she left Stanford to start Theranos. And she under the or with the assistance, I shouldn't say under the influence of, but with the assistance of some people, she did some very unethical things, mm-hmm. uh, driven by the desire to succeed at all costs. And I could see a program like this person was suggesting resulting in a lot of disasters like that.
0: Uh, yeah, like, well, especially if you if you have 10 years to really make it, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like that, like, we're going to go to the moon, right? John F. Kennedy, we're going to go to the moon in this decade. And we did at a an extremely high cost and a lot mm-hmm. of hard work. And so I think people see that and they're like, oh, well, if I just had that comfort level, right? For 10 years, I had this comfort level. I can I can push for those things. I can do those things, and I I think that's probably where Theranos kind of started. Was like, if we keep pushing for it, and we have the right amount of capital and the right smartest people in the room, we will be able to do the things that we're saying. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I need to read the book. I could be totally out. But well, but yeah, and I
1: I think that you know they they. Talked to experts in the area that Theranos was supposed to, supposedly innovating in, and those people said that's literally not possible. Mm. Um, Microfluidics uh, was the the space that they were talking about. But the the other thing is that you know there's there's so much so much focus on disruption. Like uh, that's like VC uh, firms they love to see companies that want to radically change a given industry and there are some industries that that disruption is literally dangerous. You think about healthcare, mm-hmm. you think about um, dare I say it, uh, transportation, the thing, things, safety, critical industries mm-hmm. are slow moving out of necessity. Right. Not because there's something wrong with them. And uh, you know, there there's not there's not going to be somebody who says i'm going to i'm going to spin up a new pharmaceutical company and i'm going to have a groundbreaking drug in 2 years
0: well what's taking that's not going to happen what's taking you so long <laughs> <laughs> so i i guess
1: like you know the, the 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 obsession with young people and taking advantage of them the obsession with disruption especially in spaces where the people you want building those companies actually have deep experience in those spaces, not, you know, people right out of college or who didn't even go, who mm. dropped out of college. That all plays into that thing. And, and, um, anyway, if you have a chance, go watch that talk. It is amazing. It's called Coming of Age. Um, Brian Cantrell is the speaker. If you have to Google it, um, hopefully we'll get it in the show notes.
0: Yeah. It was a great talk. Great talk. Um, and, I had a question about it, and now I blinked out. I should have written it down. I did not write it down. Sorry, everybody. Um, it was brilliant. Just uh, just assume I ask a really brilliant question, and Sean had a twice as brilliant answer to that question. And, and <laughs> you'll know exactly what the whole conversation was supposed to be.
1: Um <laughs> just cut to the end there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was a really insightful of you, Sean. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Amos. Well, I have a meeting coming up in eight minutes, so I kind of need to get out of here. But yeah, it's good why catching we were up. Able to catch up. We need to we need to do an in person in person event. Um, yes. And I've also had a few uh, people at a few companies that are doing some really cool things. Ask about coming on the show. So we may actually grab some some guests, a few, and, and throw them in here and and find out what. People are doing in our community, like what are businesses doing? What are they doing to to push the envelope or or to to change things? Um, hopefully, in industries that are a little less um, slow moving, if they're trying to change it fast, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, I, I, I'll be uh, I'll be reaching out to some of them, and hopefully, we can get this all rolling again. Mm-hmm.
1: We can have a holiday interview
0: series or something. That's right. Great. 25 days of interviews. Who's ready? Anyway. (laughs) Okay. I don't want to do 25 days of interviews. I love you guys, but I need to breathe. All right. Well, Sean, thanks for coming today. Thanks again, Amos. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. You too.